Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We help committed people stop wasting time and stop compromising on their goals. We build and rebuild strong people through one-on-one custom fitness solutions. No filler, no nonsense, no time to waste. Let's talk about it. Hey, hello and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock. This week on the podcast, we're talking to Michael Okrim, the owner of Mighty Oak Athletic. Michael is a coach and a trainer. He has a culinary background. He's done a bunch of martial arts. He's done some move net work. And we talk about all aspects of coaching and training, from ego to assessment, nutrition to high-end offers. And at the end of it, if you tune in, Michael also has a great offer for anyone listening to this podcast. This is a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed it. Here's Michael Okram. Michael Okram, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. I'm very excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to have you here. We have a lot I'm excited to talk about, but just to lay the groundwork, could you tell people a little bit about yourself and your journey up to Mighty Oak Athletics? Absolutely. So... When I was a young kid, probably about ages 10 to 13, I was what they called husky. It's kind of like a portly little guy. And it was just because I grew up in a world of excess, right? We could eat what we wanted and do what we wanted. And I put on some pounds and kind of crushed my confidence. And I wasn't doing great in sports. And I went into high school. I went to a a private uh, school here in Chicago called Fenwick High School. And after the fall sports season, I played golf. I made my way into the weight room and there was a guy there named Ray Moland. And he's still at Fenwick today. He's one of the the great football coaches there, but he was the fullback on the football team. And I walked in and he could see that I was lost. And he said to me, hey man, you want to work out? I was like, "Uh, yeah, I kind of do. And he took me through a workout. We did this bench press workout. And I had felt this euphoria that I had never felt before. It was mental it was physical like you could see the results where you're getting this pump and it, it, it just lit me up and then for the next three days I couldn't move my arms I was just crushed from this workout but I, st- I still loved it and wanted to get back at it and that's where my love affair with strength and conditioning really began and that was 30 years ago and I have just been an absolute student of all things that are strength and conditioning I've gone through a lot of different waves where there's bodybuilding phases and all these different things over that 30 years that I was into, but I'm just consistently studying it and passionate about it. And so I've gotten to a point now where I'm curating what I've accumulated over that 30 years and trying to share it with other people. So more or less, that's kind of how we've ended up today. There's a lot that obviously happened in between that, but uh, yeah. That's a great story. And just to highlight it for people out there, because we have a fair amount of experienced athletes and trainers out there. It is so useful having that because I have a very similar story, like that first person who saw me in a weight room and just gave me a little bit of direction, like wasn't even really a coach, but just like, it's okay. You belong here. Here, do these three things. And I was, Oh, okay. This is good. And, and I felt capable and not like an outcast. I feel like, especially because we're still in near the beginning of the year when this is getting recorded, there's a lot of new people in the gym. So if you see someone completely lost, you know, don't be a creep, but maybe reach out, be a little helpful. Do you need a hand? Absolutely, because I think for people like you and me, we we forget that first moment a lot of times of how we felt so uncomfortable or uncertain because I would imagine if you're anything like me where 
I've had the great fortune now where I've trained at fitness facilities all over the world with all kinds of people. And it is where I feel the most at home in my life. But it wasn't always that way. And we need to be good stewards of our community and welcome people and make them feel like, hey, you belong here. And you don't have to look a certain way or move a certain amount of weight or be a certain way. This is for you and you find your path here. And I know that's a little like crunchy feeling, a little hippy dippy, but again, I think guys like you and me, sometimes we, we have so much distance that we forget it. And it's good. It's a good reminder. I think it's really important. And remembering that there's lots of ways to the finish line, right? Many people are after similar results, but there's lots and lots of different ways. And I know like you've done some of the move mat stuff, new move mat stuff, pardon me, which I love. And there's lots of disciplines that can produce excellent results. Just because you see someone doing one thing that you may not necessarily understand or think is the best, they might be doing the perfect thing for them. Exactly. And I think that's something that we talk about a lot is you have to really start to take an inward look and start to understand what is it that I want and what is it that I need and what, to your point, what are the tools that are going to get me there? And that's not the same for everyone. And I think sometimes in our world, we get a little prescriptive where it's like, well, everyone should do this or everyone should eat that. And really nothing can be further from the truth because everyone, like you mentioned, is on a slightly different journey. And while we may have similar outcomes, our, our way in getting there is going to be different. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you're saying. Now, thinking about this, like how we connect these things, uh, you were nice enough to send me your book, Death Resistant, which I read the vast majority of. And I really like the way you connect a number of these elements and bring them together in a way that is meaningful. Could you talk a little bit about the, the circles of life? Absolutely. So are you a superhero guy? You into superheroes at all? A bit. Yeah. Comic books growing up, all of that stuff. Were you Marvel or DC? Uh, I was whatever was in the three for $10 pack at my local <laughs> Cumberland farms. So it was all over the place. It was a fair amount of Marvel, but it was a real mixed bag. All right. So I'm a Marvel guy, but DC has Aquaman. And so when I try to talk to people about health in a way that they can easily get it without getting too scientific, I talk about Aquaman's trident. So think of health as the staff. And then the three tines up top, you've got nutrition, you've got movement, and you've got recovery. And that's what we call the circle of health. We put them in a Venn diagram and you can see how they overlap. But we want people to start thinking about those three components to being healthy. And we talk about our tagline is live long and drop dead healthy. And so those are the pieces you need to be aware of to achieve that. I love that. Live long and drop dead healthy. Thank you. Breaking down these individual elements, and we are absolutely on the same page of these sort of those three parts, the nutrition, the movement, and the recovery, will turn you into whatever sort of person you want to be and certainly let you allow you to live whatever life you want to live and continue to say yes to things you want to say yes to. I really like the way you break down movement. You have these multiple circles, and if, if I'm interpreting it correctly, you have the circle of life, and then you kind of break these out. Could you talk about the circle of movement? Because I think it's really interesting. Absolutely. So you have, again, think of these like circles that are kind of overlapping. So you have mobility, you have motion, you have manipulation and self-defense. So mobility, that's where you think of things like yoga, Pilates, just how can, what's your range of motion? Can you lift your arms overhead? Can you get down and up off the ground without lots of points of contact? Things like that. So some people need work in mobility. Some people are great in mobility. Then we have motion. This is kind of like that move net stuff we were talking about. It's crawling, walking, jumping, running, swimming, climbing, just how our bodies are meant to move naturally in motion. 
Then we have manipulation. This is things I think that you and I, these are probably our first loves. This is lifting, carrying, throwing, catching. This is all weights. This is sports, all those types of activities. And then self-defense is like martial arts, combat, and it can be, uh, there's a huge spectrum there of what that can be. And so we talk about that and then where those overlap. So for example, where mobility and motion overlap, you think of like getting out hiking and swimming in nature or where motion and manipulation overlap. That's where you start to work on your balance and your stability. Where self-defense and manipulation overlay, overlap, that's where you talk about sport and sparring. And so when we work with people, a lot of times they come with preconceived notions of, oh, I, I want to lift this weight or I want to do that. And the reality is, is what we want and what we need don't always align. doesn't mean that you can't do some manipulation, but you really need mobility work because you can't get your arms over head and trying to press a bar, you're going to tear up your shoulder because we need to work on that range of motion. Completely agree. How do you assess someone to determine what they need? If they come to you and say, these are the results I want. I'm pretty sure I need lots of manipulation with a dose of self-defense. So you generally just need to look at someone when we're talking about the circles movement, just look at how they move. I can watch how somebody walks. I can have them sit down and get up. I can ask them to press something overhead, touch their toes, just basic movements. And I can see right away, wow, their hips look pretty tight. They don't understand how to hinge. They're using their back to, to move. And that's why they're getting hurt when they lift up the laundry basket. Or, man, there's no way they're going to be able to properly put the bag in the overhead bin because they don't have the right range of motion in their shoulders. And so that's where I start to craft a plan. Now, Obviously, there are more advanced tools that we can use, um, but at the end of the day, I always try to remove friction. I want to keep things simple, and if it starts to get too scientific and too complex, people get shut off by that. Um, so I steer clear of it, and it's a tool I have in my tool bag, but in general, I just want to see you move. That's the coaches I have experienced, right? Absolutely. And I just want to highlight something you said for the coaches out there. When someone walks in the room, you can tell a lot about them already if you're paying attention. Just the way they carry themselves, the way they put their bag down, the way they move through space, you can already start picking up a ton of information about how this person moves, things that might be challenging for them, ways they likely spend their time, positions they likely hold themselves in. And if you know how they spend a lot of time holding themselves, you know potentially the other side, things they're going to have challenges with, which may be stiff, tight, short, etc. Absolutely. That's exactly it. You're 100%. On, on point there. In this circle of movement, I was really impressed because in your book, you go into, you know, you talk about like, for example, mobility, and you mentioned yoga and Pilates, and I think some stretching. Mm -hmm. And your suggestion is basically try these things out. Now, I'm not trying to simplify it, but I, re I really like it. You're like, if you think you might like yoga, you should probably go do yoga as opposed to you definitely have to take the mighty oak yoga nine week symposium, like Pilates is great. If you have a Pilates studio nearby, you should go try Pilates. And I'm completely on board with this, like find different ways that these things work. And if you find a way that reaches out to you, the same thing with self-defense. If you find a discipline, you know, one of those many, many art forms that calls to you, try it out, see how it is. I don't like getting hit in the head, but I like moving around and doing things. You're spot on. I, I, I would encourage for the trainer listeners out there, the coaches, expand your horizons. A lot of times we get in a, in a groove, and I am extremely guilty of this when we talk about, one thing I talk about are like the health sins that we all have and that need to be atoned for and how do we figure out how do we get to health and wellness. And so one of my health sins is that I can get kind of rigid and I can get into ruts. 
So I really need to push myself to break out of that. So as an example, back in 2007, I had read an article in one of the men's magazines about yoga. Guy went and did a yoga class. And I said, huh, I think maybe I'll go try it. And while yoga is much more mainstream today, back in 2007, I walked into class. It was a lot of women. There was one older gentleman and me. And like we were talking about earlier, it did not feel welcoming at all. And it wasn't that they were not welcoming. It was just kind of like I was invading their space. Like, why is this workout guy in here? What is he doing? They weren't mean, but they were suspicious. They were sus- Exactly. They're suspicious. They're wondering, what, what is he doing here? What are his motives? And so I, I stuck it out and I got over my insecurities. And I'm sure at the end of the day, it was all in my head. I'm sure they barely even noticed me. But I stuck it out. And what I found was that, huh. Yoga was what I needed. It was a game changer for me. It improved my lifting and the strength and conditioning I wanted to do in so many different ways. That was what I needed, but I never would have known that if I didn't step out of my bubble. So you're exactly right. People need to try things instead of just dismissing them as like, oh, that's for soccer moms or that's for meatheads or no, just go try it. And you may be right. Maybe Pilates is not for you, but you might also find, huh, you know, my core is not as strong as I thought it was. And nothing has made my core as strong as it's ever been as doing some mat Pilates with with just a basic ring. And so that's what I would encourage people to do. Um, Try a few things and maybe make that one of your goals for this year. It doesn't have to be something you're doing every week, but say, you know what, for this year, I am going to find one new thing that I'm going to try and really step out go do a Zumba class, right? I don't know what it is, but you might find like, oh, I don't like Zumba, but my conditioning is terrible. I need to figure out what that is, that that Zumba for me to improve my conditioning. And letting yourself be a student of movement and of life, as opposed to getting locked into this one road. Something you said at the beginning, which I didn't know, and we're very similar in this way, is that you've tried lots of different kinds of exercising and movement. And certainly, and again, certainly for the athletes, but also the coaches out there, little has made me a better coach than following lots of like committing to lots and lots and lots of different kinds of programs and movements and spending a couple of years in gymnastics and a couple of years in bodybuilding and a couple of years in powerlifting and and just like going through and really trying, you know, we're not talking about four weeks here and four weeks there, but spending some time and seeing what this means and what being good at it and what getting reasonably competent at these things, uh, attempting virtuosity looks like, and then you start realizing that they all overlap. And now when I'm teaching someone about Olympic lifting, I will frequently reference gymnastics because it's almost one-to-one with me how these positions work and how the core works. And if you allow yourself to not be quite so canonical and burst out of whatever that bubble is, your, your bodybuilding or your CrossFit or whatever the thing is, you can really learn a lot and add more to your, your toolbox of life. You're exactly right. It's it's just having that beginner's mindset and not being afraid to take a step back. I have a bit of a martial arts background, and we always talk about how that's really the biggest challenge in the most humbling moment. It's not on the mat. It's coming in and putting on that white belt and that white uniform and looking like a big mushroom or like a big power puff man, right? Like it, That's really the challenge. And once you can get over that hurdle, now the sky's the limit. You're open to learn, but I think for most of us, that's, that's the hiccup is that we've become so proficient in certain aspects of movement and fitness and exercise and call it what you will, that we don't want to then become a beginner again. It's like, well, I'm a master at powerlifting. Well, yeah, but you don't know the first thing about Pilates. So why don't we be a beginner and it's going to help you be a better powerlifter. 
Yeah, you can move 700 pounds, but you can't balance on your hand for five seconds. There might be some utility in getting a little better at this. Absolutely. Now, I'm really interested in the self-defense thing. I know almost nothing about self-defense. I did like some, you know, karate when I was a kid. It seems like it's everywhere now. And I haven't really gotten involved partly just from time constraints, but there are some... There seems to be like a projected atmosphere from a lot of it of a lot of screaming tough guys wearing affliction shirts, and I just don't want to spend any time with them. But I'm really open to the idea of this being part of an overall movement discipline. And like I said, I'm open to being a student of different things. Can you talk a little bit about why you think the self-defense in particular is important? We live in a very interesting time. We are at, it's a great time to be alive, right? We're in a great country at a great time, and I'm not saying that things are perfect, but when you put it in the scope of humanity, life is phenomenal. We have had to defend ourselves for as long as humans have been alive. This is more of, you know, this is in the last hundred years or something that we haven't had to really think about self-defense. And I think it's important because it gives people a confidence that they take with them in the world. And it not only translates into other facets of our lives, but when you talk about having to defend yourself, that in itself, that confidence is going to keep you out of a lot of challenging situations. The way that you're carrying yourself is going to transmit to other people that, hey, I'm not a target or, hey, I'm not the weak link that you want to get after. And I think that is highly important and it's lost. I think to your point, unfortunately, we also live in a time where everything's on social media and those are the types of things that get clicks, right? The, the more outrageous it is the more interesting it is but i it's been my experience that the vast majority of martial arts are a little bit more humble than instagram would give it credit for um so when we talk about the martial arts there's a lot of different facets to it so think of it like silos you have a silo that is striking like karate taekwondo kung fu boxing you have a silo that is grappling wrestling judo jujitsu you have these different components to it. And so what I encourage people to do is kind of decide what you enjoy. You know, if you always, if you grew up wrestling and doing those types of sports and you like that, well then pick one of the martial arts in that silo. If you think you would enjoy the boxing, the kicking, well, there's that silo for you. So there's a lot, just like with strength and conditioning, there's a lot of different tools. There's a lot of different formats that you can pick, but you're right. You have to find the right coach and the right studio for you, just like with all these other endeavors that we do. I mean, you know, as well as anyone in the strength and conditioning world, you can find these hardcore gyms that have these minimum weight movements for entry and they only work with certain people and they're slamming weights. And that's great. Like that is fantastic for a a large group of people, but that's certainly not for everyone. And then conversely, you can go to these other gyms that are using like pink dumbbells and it's a little bit more touchy feely and that's great for another subset, but that's not for everyone. And then there's something in the middle for each of us. And I think martial arts is exactly the same way. It's a really, really broad set of disciplines, just not the thing that is most often broadcast on Instagram. Absolutely. So do you, what have you explored with martial arts? Is there something that piques your interest when you think about it? Like, do you look at the striking and you're like, oh, I would love to do that. Do you look for grappling? Like, are there any that resonated with you? You know, I've always been a power athlete. Like I'm good in very short bursts and relatively agile. And I meant it since before. I really dislike getting hit in the head. It really puts me in a bad mood. So I'm not sure. Some combination of that. Absolutely. Well, the best part is it exists, whatever that is. It's just going to take a little work on your part to to find it, right? 
Yeah. And I think it would be fun to spend some time there. And like, as always, like getting a little bit out of your comfort zone, I've always found to be uh, eventually really, really healthy. And it all adds to everything else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have a, a, a section in your book. I think it's, it's acorn to oak or acorn to mighty oak. And I really appreciate the way you lay this out. And you sort of talk about what results look like very early, sort of your first week, your first couple of weeks, your first month of results. And then you start hammering in, but you're not done yet. Would you mind talking a little bit about like what that journey is, like the, the short-term results that people are used to and are looking for from programs and then what it might require to actually it become a lifestyle or make real changes? I think the number one thing people need to think about is what is the goal? Start with the end in mind. For me, it's about health. We talk about health span. The, the book is Live Long and Drop Dead Healthy, right? Death Resistant. So how do you achieve that? We're in a world today where we all know friends and family that are living, you know, 80s, 90s, and they are some of the most unhealthy per people we know. But because of medicine and science and technology, they're going to live to be 100. But health span is getting into that advanced part of our life feeling well and moving well with a clear brain. And if that is your goal, that's very different than having six pack abs for spring break or lifting 700 pounds or whatever that different goal is. And sometimes people are trying to achieve multiple goals that don't always align. So health is really about the long term. You can pull a lot of levers that will give you some sort of result in the short term. But the question becomes, are you able to maintain that for not just weeks, months, or years, but decades? I mean, can you really adhere to this lifestyle for a long period of time? And it doesn't mean that it has to be completely void of any sort of joy, but it's not something that you can really just buckle down and do for a, a very short period and then expect those results to last for any meaningful amount of time. And it really taking time for to lock these things in is not just being... You know, the short-term changes, it's hard, even if it's fun, even if you're enjoying it, it's hard to do a new thing, whether that's nutrition or movement or recovery or all of them, if you're trying to really improve things, changing your bedtime, things like that. But doing it for a few months is pretty good, but you're still not there yet. And anyone who's had a long, a little bit of a longer journey has probably had something where they had a great six months and then they kind of went on cruise control because they're like, I'm great. And they could like started doing whatever they wanted and they still kind of felt great. And they were like, am I invincible now? This is great. And a year and a half later, they're like, oh man, I'm starting over. And you make the point that two to three years of habits, you are starting to lock in what might be a lifetime of practice. Absolutely. I mean, so I, like I mentioned in the beginning, I fell in love with this in 1992. And that's when I really got on that journey. Well, my wife got pregnant with our first child in like 2004 we had him in 2005 and I used that as a license to do whatever I wanted. I was eating whatever I wanted, all the comfort foods, we're drinking too much, we're not moving the way we should. Well, I put on 40 pounds. So I got to own, I got to a point where I was very unhealthy after 19 years, after whatever the math is, right? All those years, decade or more leading up to that of living a pretty good life, I got derailed in nine to 12 months and I had to build back. And so that was eye-opening to me to your point that it doesn't mean it has to be perfect, but you have to be consistent, not constant. Too many people want to just be constant for the short term and they're better just to do a little bit over the long haul. 
Yeah, consistency will always win. I will take five minutes, six days a week over one awesome hour once a month because that doesn't do anything for me. Absolutely. Now, moving from these principles, which I think are really, really strong of, of how you work with people, can we get into some of the the nuts and bolts? Like if someone wanted to work with you or was interested in what they were hearing, like, well, what do they do? Like, what do you do for people? Well, so as an example, I work with a lot of student athletes right now. Mm-hmm. I enjoy working with that demographic. And so a lot of them come to me and they have very teenager type goals, right? They, they want big chests and big biceps and six pack abs. And they, they want to lift these ridiculous amounts of weight. And I, I try to help them like pump the brakes. I try to show them, okay, well, yeah, maybe you can bench press this amount, but you can barely press 20 pounds overhead. Like we need to strengthen your shoulders or you can't hold a 20 second plank. Your core is not very strong. And why that matters is that there's a break in the chain. And when you try to get under that heavy weight that you want to squat, you're going to get injured because the, the whole chain's not properly aligned and it's not strong from top to bottom. So when I get people, that's what I try to do, help them identify what they need versus what they want, and then get them into a program that's going to help them to enjoy the parts that they like, but also then make sure they're getting enough of dose of what they need. Student athletes, especially at that age, there's so much ego floating around and it's also fragile. How do you work with, do you do individuals or groups or both? So I'll take them in smaller groups. I like the group dynamic, Mm -hmm. um, but at that level, you can't have too big of a group because I really have to coach technique a lot. We work the main lifts. We're doing pressing, we're doing pulling like deadlifts, those types of things, um, overhead presses, squats. And it's imperative that they learn the right way because I'm building their habits for life. Most of these kids have come to me and they don't know how to do any of these movements properly. And if I don't take the time to teach them right there, it's going to be a nightmare down the road for them to unlearn those habits. So we focus on the basics, right? The body moves in one of two ways, basically pushing or pulling. And so for the upper body, lower body, what does that look like? And then I make sure that they have those strong movements Um, and I explain to them a lot of times the concept that we should be training movements, not muscles, right? They want to like, they'll always say, well, how come I can't do any bicep curls? I'm like, just do some chin-ups, buddy, right? Like if, if you're able to pull, do 20 chin-ups, let's say, you are going to have developed arms. Trust me, you are going to look fantastic and achieve the goal you want. Bicep curls are going to hurt your elbow. Your body really doesn't, you would never lift something in that manner. You would never grab something and curl it. You would pull it, right? You would lifted in different ways. And so trying to get them to break out of that can be challenging um, because again, that's what they see in the world, right? They go on Instagram and it's a guy with a big chest and big arms and he's curling a, you know, a a truck axle. (laughs) Building a culture like that, I think you're to be commended for, and it is not what everyone does. And that's what I think it is like leading by example, like you're essentially building a culture and hoping that this community and group of people notices and starts to mirror mimic they're at least doing the things you tell them to do and by doing that you're putting them on a really good road and i'm sure their coaches 20 years from now appreciate it as someone who's had to unlearn lots of bad habits myself and reteach people bad habits how do you go about developing culture like that with people with clients essentially i take my own medicine i'm consistent so when they come in i make them set up all the equipment They make sure they put away all the equipment. I make sure that they're spotting the right way. And they get annoyed because 
I make sure that the kettlebells are put away in, in a very specific way. And they think that I'm being OCD, but I'm showing them, no, you, you have to have attention to detail. You have to be aware because you are putting yourself in a situation where you can get hurt. And it, how we do anything is how we do everything. And if the weights are sloppy and the clips aren't on right and the J cups aren't in the right spot and you're giggling as you're trying to spot this guy with weight over his chest, that's no good. So let's be consistent. Let's be a good spotter. Let's put the weights away properly. Let's not wear shoes on this mat, but we can wear shoes on this part. Let's put all of our things into the bins instead of just throwing shoes on the floor. And by instilling those basics in them, that then translates into their training. And I see it, you know, just little things like making sure they are writing down their dates and weights, making them aware of, you need to be tracking what you're doing. We're training. We're not working out. All your buddies that are going to the gym, they're just working out and exercising. They're not following a progression. They're not trying to make progress. They're just having fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we're training and you need to have a different mindset. So I think all of those things really make a bigger difference and have a bigger impact over than just getting under a bar and pressing it, right? 100%. And it's, it's respecting yourself and respecting the space. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the hope is that that then translates because what I find is whatever they're doing with me in the gym, they're doing outside. What they're doing outside, they're doing in the gym. So if they're coming in and throwing their shoes and jackets all over, that's what they do when they walk in their house. I say, hey, man, put it away. Make it nice. Have some respect, right? Put the weights away. When you go home, put your school bag away. And so that's the hope, too. Again, at that age, we're, we're building some character a little bit. Um, and again, that's what I like about being a coach for that demographic. How do you fold? I know you have a bit of a culinary background. How do you fold nutrition into your work? Nutrition is challenging. So the biggest thing I run into with the student athletes is they all want to take stuff. They want the easy way. They want to take this pill and that pill and this powder and that powder. And I have to explain to them. And I'm sorry if maybe you have a sponsor or something, but no, 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 I'm on board. No, we're, we are on the same road. Everything that you need, you can get from food. You need to have a balanced diet. And I don't mean diet in like the keto way. I mean like what you are consuming needs to be balanced. And that needs to be kind of what Michael Pollan says is like eat real food, not too much, mostly plants. Let's eat good lean proteins, right? You don't need a powder. Let's have some eggs or some beef or some lamb or some chicken, like plenty of protein, right? Let's get healthy fats. Let's get good, good carbs in there. Um, so yeah, so I, I have to stress to them the importance of man, you're doing all this work in the gym. Wow, you just power cleaned 100 pounds. Wow, you, you broke the 100 mark. That's fantastic. But now if you're going to go home and eat Doritos and Gatorade, like all that work is not going to get the food and fuel that that machine needs to build the muscle that you're trying to get. And so I have to hammer those points home to them. And then I also have to explain to them how food and nutrition then impacts their sleep and recovery and why that's really the most important part. That's the thing that they don't want to hear either is that, they think the lifting is the most important part. And really that's probably number three on the list. It probably goes recovery, nutrition, and then the movement. And they don't see it that way at all. And so that's the challenge I have with them. Huge. I Earlier, I, I think Michael asked if I had a sponsor because I recoiled when he started talking about supplements. And I just hadn't thought about kids taking supplements in such a long time. But I, rem I remember being 15 and like that was when creatine was first a thing. And people were like, 
like kind of dealing creatine in the weight room. Like someone brought it in and like people were putting in little shakes and we weren't sure if it was legal. It was a whole thing like, yeah, yeah, this is going to do it. This is going to, this is going to make me really jacked. It's the magic powder. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have armpit hair, but somehow I'm going to put 20 inches on my chest by drinking some creatine because I don't understand chemistry. But it also must be pointed out that these are exactly the same things that I have lots and lots of grownups. Like the, the quicker fix, the better whatever cool supplement is. And my social media feed is full of weird pills and solves and creams and something that's going to change things and fix problems I didn't know I have, or the exercise plan that's going to fix everything in 21 days. And as someone who exclusively sells uh, movement and exercise, I agree with you. I would rather, if you can nail down your recovery and nail down your nutrition, you are 80% of the way there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so refreshing that people like you are echoing that and not that you and I are the only two but the loudest people are the ones going the other way because they stand to gain financially from it right I mean it's hard to you and I struggle to make money selling a push-up right but we could sell some magic powder and you know the sky's the limit on what you can earn yeah with amazing claims and things that simply can't be true like there's 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 really wild stuff. I'm like, wait, it can't do both of those things. How can it make me sleep like a baby and give me limitless energy? Those seem different. Exactly. And there's really no one policing it, right? The FDA doesn't really get involved with supplements. So it's uh, they're free to kind of make these wild claims. And you're impressionable when you're a young kid. I know I was. Big time. I can, uh, I'm slightly terrified by what kids are getting marketed to now. I can only imagine. I, I was harder to get to. I was pre-social media in high school. So it's slightly harder to reach me. Yeah, they're bombarded. It's I have so I have four children and they are just constantly bombarded. To your point, I feel bad for them because it's hard to disconnect. We had that advantage. We didn't realize that that right. We just weren't always connected. And it's not that there isn't a ton of great stuff that comes out of our connected world and having a supercomputer in our pocket. But man, these kids really don't ever get a chance to unplug, and it's brutal. It's I yeah I'm I am not envious and. And it sounds like a struggle to be a parent in that situation also. It can be challenging. It can be challenging, but uh, it's it's a joy, right? Parenting is a, a struggle, but it's awesome. Now, going to the other side of working with student athletes, I was looking through all of your stuff earlier this week, and I came upon your pro plan, and it like knocked me across the room. I couldn't believe what you were offering because it was amazing, and it was incredible. Could you talk a little bit of what, what, what the pro plan is? So we've yeah. got the pro plan, the pro plan plus these are more for the 1% out there totally. that, want, that wanted to rip it open and go. And so essentially what they're doing is they're bringing me in either locally or not locally and saying, Hey, money's not an issue. I want you to come in and set up my gym, set up my in-house facility, get it all done, build me my programs, be my, I'm basically going on the payroll for a, a short amount of time and helping them figure all that out. I'm taking them grocery shopping. I'm prepping their meals, showing them how to get their, their refrigerator set up. I'm showing them, you know, how we're meal planning and prepping. I'm showing them, here's the training programs that we're going to be doing and then working with them either in person or remotely. That's something I do a lot less but it's also interesting. I would encourage the coaches out there, don't be afraid to try to do some whale hunting. We're all fishing and it's great. You're reeling in these awesome tunas, right? They're great. These are fantastic. But all you need is one whale. You bring in one whale and it's pretty cool. And uh, I would encourage coaches uh, to, to shoot a little higher 
There's nothing wrong with it. I completely agree. We had uh, Dr. Sean Pastuch of Active Life on the podcast a few months ago, and we were talking about uh, what coaches offer and, and the challenges of coaches making money. And one of the things we talked about was taking a step back when you're designing what it is you do. If someone was going to pay me $5,000 for an online fitness plan, what would that look like? And then make three columns. And the first column is, what can I do right now? What is basically like free, not a lot of time, not a lot of resources. We should start doing that stuff immediately. What would be like, uh, it'd be nice. And we put that in the, maybe we can do this. Maybe create another offer. And the other one is like, well, this is impossible. And that's what I thought when I was I was watching the video and reading your pro plan. Pro plan. I was like, this is it. This is the like, I, you know, a, a, a very significant price point. But literally, if you could, if someone was, money didn't matter, and they were like, can you come to my house and teach me how to cook and set my gym up for me and tell me what equipment to buy? And then, you know, I can jump on the phone with you a couple times a week for the next six months or whatever it is. And like, really walk like I'm ready to go. I don't care about the money, but I don't know what to do. And I've been unsuccessful and unsuccessful in the past. There is another way forward. And I think people are afraid to even offer that. I wouldn't be afraid. And here's why is that what you find is those people generally will have success because to your point, you don't get, you don't land at a station in life where you can just throw that kind of money around without having had success somewhere else. So maybe they're a very successful financial analyst and they are driven and motivated and have the tools that it takes to achieve success in health. But to your point, they just don't know what to do. And they just want to bring in a, a professional, a specialist says, hey, shorten my learning curve. I, money's no object. Let me help bring you in. And in doing that, you set them up for success. And then you, you're just there to maintain. You don't have to be with them 24-7. But once you get them on the right path and you re- get rid of a bunch of that friction for them, they're set. And to be honest, it's something I love. I mean... I love flipping through the fitness magazines with the, from the manufacturers of here's the newest fitness tools and toys and seeing all this stuff. And it doesn't mean that I really branch much out from a basic barbell, but I enjoy seeing that. And if someone said, Hey, I've got this 500 square feet, make me an awesome gym. Like, yeah, that would be super fun. Let's, let's kind of brainstorm of what you like and the cool tools we can get and get these rogue things and get this stuff. And it's fun. So yeah. And I'm encourage coaches to, that might be one of the challenges they can take away from this is really try to go crazy, right? If you charge $250 a month or $100 a session, what can you do to charge someone 10x? Let's go $2,500 or $25,000. Like go crazy. You're just going to create it and put it out there. And what's the worst that happens? Nobody buys it. Well, so what? It, what did it cost you a, a day of your time? But if you were to create a $25,000 plan and someone bought that, how many $250 a month do you have to sell, right? It's like, well, I'll just take one of those. So do it. I, I would encourage all of your coaches out there to, to take, a, take a chance and try it. And just to highlight it, like this isn't just charging a ton of money to see if someone will pay you a ton of money. It's looking at your collective experience and everything you have to offer and saying, well, what is the, what is the absolute most value freed of any restraints, what could I do? And then offer that. And then maybe someone wants that. And wouldn't that be cool to deliver your absolute top tier value, not worried about a clock and not worried about, am I pricing this person out or that person out or that? Because you will for almost everyone. 
but it gives you the opportunity to potentially connect with a couple of people and radically change their lives. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. So it'll be interesting to see. We should encourage your, your listeners and your clients that are out there to, uh, share with us on social media if they try it. I'd love to see what they're doing and, and let them see what I'm doing and get feedback because there's a lot of smart people I'm sure that are listening to this and they have some phenomenal ideas and yeah, I'd love to see it. It, it would be cool, right? I'm, I want success for all of us out there. It's not, it's not just about me, right? So it's about the, what's the cliche about a rising tide raises all ships. I mean, we're all after the same purpose of delivering health and wellness to other people and let's do it together. A hundred percent. There's nearly 7 billion people on this planet. I couldn't service them all if I wanted to. I don't consider any of you my competition. <laughs> Let's all do great work. So, you know, smart people doing good work well is all I want the world to be full of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, this has been a joy. Tell people everything they should know. Where should they find you? How should they look you up? What should they buy? Plug all the things. Well, so mightyoakathletic.com is the website. And then we're on all the socials at Mighty Oak Athletic. So connect, say hello. I love meeting new people and hearing what you're doing and what's working, what's not working. I will set up a link for your listeners and we'll offer them uh, death resistant. I'll offer it free as an ebook to them. I'd love just to have them get out there and share it. If anyone wants to buy it, it's out there at you know any bookstore and Amazon, wherever you want to buy your books, it's available. But I, I would love to share it with your listeners. And yeah, just say hello on Mighty Oak Athletic. That's great. That's very generous. And we will put that link and all of your info in the show notes. Also, if anyone wants to go look at it, I do suggest reading Death Resistant. Uh, I think it's an easy read, but really smartly put together. And anyone who is listening to this, I think what's in there will already resonate with them. Thank you so much. I appreciate you reading it. And thanks for the kind words. Absolutely, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on Feel Strong. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your subscriptions. Your written reviews make a big difference. Thank you for those. Please keep them coming. Drop five stars while you're there. If you find these podcasts helpful, share them with friends. Send it on. We love it when the stuff gets shared outside of our bubble, outside of you folks. Any feedback, hit us up on Instagram at feelstrongfit on Instagram. DMs are open there for all of your questions and feedback. More questions about the program or you're ready to get started, feelstrong.me is the website feelstrong.me. If you're ready to make a change, if you're ready to feel better than you have in a long time, get in touch. My name is Justin McClintock. Feel strong.